Welcome to the first part of the Gloranthan Graduation Series, where we talk to members of the tribe who recently joined the God Learner Studies. The God Learner Podcast wants to investigate how people comparatively new to Gloranthan experience the world, what are the rewards, what are the hurdles when approaching this setting. Yeah, so we have a whole bunch of interviews lined up, which we will probably release as extra episodes in between our regular episodes. Uh, I think that's the current plan. So who do we have for our first uh, interviewee? Ah, I think uh, we have the resident newbie here. <laughs> so uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, what's your public name? What's, what pronouns do you use and where are you based? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm the newbie for the first part of this series. Uh, my name is Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul. Uh, based in uh, British Columbia, Canada, pronounced he, him. And yes, I uh, actually am not so well-versed in Glorantha, at least compared to you. <laughs> so how did you get into role-playing games? Oh, so uh, I brought some props because uh, <laughs> you know very well which first game I got started with, which you might recognize even though that's the French version. Yes, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the original German name, uh, but I want to see your face when I do that. Uh, <laughs> I started with the game Das Schwarze Auge. Pretty good, yeah. Das Schwarze Auge. Ah, good. So yeah, the dark eye or uh, Le Noir yeah. in French, uh, which was uh, <laughs> I believe some kind of Erzatz D and D copy from Germany, who actually outsold yeah. D D in Germany. Yes, it's still going strong, and yep. I already had my—I also had my brush with that. So we may have started role playing roughly around the same time. Uh, well, the thing is, uh, I think I only started it in the late '80s, early '90s, because my neighbor had a box of it lying around, which I guess he got from his grandma for Christmas, secondhand or something like that. I don't know. At the time, actually, we were just playing one-on-one -on -one with my neighbor. And uh, mm -hmm. we didn't even know that there was such a thing as role-playing games. Like, the like adventure game, to me, was just the marketing tagline. It wasn't a genre, right? Okay. So, <laughs> so I didn't know there were other things like that. I'm like, okay, you know, this is a game. And, you know, it's just like Monopoly. There's one Monopoly game. Um, but I didn't know there yeah. was a bunch of others. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it, it really had I think a big effect on me, especially because we had the the Havana City uh, box set. Yeah. This thing. Yeah, I never had that, but uh, I've uh, seen it. So yeah. that was uh, possibly the best product from the early period of uh, Schwarzenegger. Well, it came with a very nice vinyl map of the city, yeah. and this had a big effect on me. I think this. Uh, I'll try to put some pictures of this map uh, in the show notes uh, and of the box set. But yeah, it, it had so this nice map and it had like the booklet with all the like yeah. many of the places in the city described with the, the inhabitants and their agendas and little adventure seeds and all that. And I think this is why I ended up not being interested in like dungeon crawling and stuff like that. Yes. Because this is the stuff that influenced me. It's being in a city and having, yeah. you know, this pub and this whatever, uh, and this merchant uh, having like a feud and 
um, like some secret troll in the sewers or whatever. So it's like almost Warhammer stuff, even though I discovered Warhammer <laughs> way, way, way later. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and from then, I never went to D&D. I went to Cyberpunk. I went to Vampire. And then I ended up in Call of Cthulhu. And then I never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went to, I guess related things like i had also uh, i'm also a big uh, fan of delta green which started yeah. as a call of cthulhu uh, yeah. source book uh but yeah i, bran- I branched out in uh, a bit in horror left and right but it's i always come back to call of cthulhu the grand old daddy so um call of cthulhu is of course groom adjacent uh, so how did you first come across Groanta? So as far as I can tell, I came across Glorenta three times before it stuck. Oh, <laughs> so what were four starts then? <laughs> so um, uh, the first one was the French Hero Wars books yeah. published by Multisim, uh, which I picked up, I suppose, in 2000 or 2001. I think that's around the time they came out. Yes. That uh, they would be uh, have been very fresh then, yes. Yeah, I think I think they followed the um, the English books very closely, and I picked them up because I don't know the cover looked good, uh, like some big ass Greek looking uh, helmet on the cover. It says it's an epic role playing game, so I'm like, okay, sure. And uh, and when I skimmed it, there were uh, a few maps, and you know I love maps ever since that okay. uh, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, I picked it up. I picked both books. So the, the Hero Wars rule book and the Glorantha uh, lore book. Yeah. And then I got home. I read the first couple chapter of each and I went, what the fuck is this? I have no idea yeah. what that is. I don't know <laughs> what to do with it. Uh, I put it back on the shelf and I never opened it again after that. I yeah. think the rule book, you know, it was the, the, the very first version of the Hero War system where it's like, to create a character, you have to write a paragraph about who your character is, and then you underline the um, uh, you well, underline no, the, the nouns and uh, adjectives that are uh, important to your character, and those are your characteristic. And you go like, what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so um, we have my strength. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, what, what dice do I roll? What, uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Robin Laws was way too ahead of his time, uh, or I was way too behind him. Uh, yeah. but either way, I couldn't really get it. And the Glorenta book was also so weird. Right off the bat, it talks about. Uh, shamanism and animism and uh, spiritualism. Uh, the first couple chapters of the world are about Fronella, yeah, uh, yeah Fronella mm-hmm. and Ralios. So I'm, I'm, you know, reading up on Fronella, and there are pictures of, uh, you know, what looks like I don't know East Russian maybe uh, yes. guys, and I'm like, that's not what I had in mind, I guess. Um, so um yeah and it talks about the invisible god and things like that and then there's like all kinds of pages of history with dates so i'm like i have just finished high school i don't want to read a history book (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So yeah, that was it. I see behind you a map of Han, so uh, you're not that averse to history, I guess. Uh, although Han comes in very small bits. You know how Horrent comes in small booklets yeah. of no more than 20 pages each? So it's like bite size. It's like, uh, you know, Horrent is like the the, the 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 tapas of the fantasy okay. role-playing games. Um, so, so yeah, it's much much more digestible. Uh, except the map. The map, you can't eat it. It's too big. <laughs> Then I had, I think, a very short brush with Glorantha without knowing it because one of my friends recommended me to play King of Dragon Pass, telling me it's an awesome strategy management game, even though I don't know why, because I'm not super into strategy management games. So I tried it and I was like, this is basically a text game with a few yeah. pictures. And I'm like, uh, I've got other things to play. <laughs> well, my moving uh, little soldiers. <laughs> yeah, I want some some 3D blood and and I don't know. Uh, I just remember just looking at it very quickly, and I didn't even know it was Glorenta anyway. So, but uh, I I remember looking at it. Uh, I guess that still was a PC version or the Apple version. It was the PC version, yes. <laughs> and I think I think it works way better as as a tablet, tablet game. game yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's also why <laughs> it became a lot more popular when A Sharp released it for uh, for tablets because I, I think it, it fits pretty well the yes the the tablet format and and it's easy to just play five minutes you know just play a couple of rounds you make a couple of decisions yeah. do a quick year and that's it <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 very easy to get in and out so um, yeah so yeah I can see why. Uh, again, maybe A Sharp was ahead of it of, of their time at the uh, when they released it on PC originally. And the third time, I, I had been playing a lot of Chaosium Call of Cthulhu games for you know the past decade or um, two decades or something. Uh, so since the mid 90s, and I knew that early, like you know, mid 2000, 2010. I knew Chaosium was in financial problem. Yes. So I was backing, I think, I don't remember which one came first, but I was backing the Kickstarter for the Orient Express because at that time I was basically buying anything Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And uh, Chaosium came out. I had no idea about the change of management and all that stuff. I wasn't following that closely, but... That already happened in the uh, in the uh, late 90s, so... <laughs> no, the other one. But uh, uh, for when Moon Design took over, I mean. Um, well, yeah, okay, that's uh, that's a later one. But uh, yeah. there was first the separation into Isseries. Uh, which yeah. Well, even that, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't yeah. aware because I was just following uh, Call of Cthulhu. But then, yeah, I saw that they were putting out this other Kickstarter for uh, the RuneQuest Classic, and I'm like, I've heard of RuneQuest. I don't know. I could check it out. I have no interest in playing RuneQuest, but I'm going to throw money at Chaosium because maybe that's going to help them a bit. So yeah, I backed the RuneQuest Classic Kickstarter just to get the hardcover and the extra books. And that was pretty much it. I figured like, you know, it's going to be fun to see because I, yeah, I knew RuneQuest was kind of like a classic game. I, I never ran into, uh, I think it was the generation before me 
in France that did all the, you know, RQ3 gaming and stuff yeah. like that. I grew up with like, you know, Vampire and, and all of the uh, more like late 90s new wave, I guess. Uh, and I mean, you can tell I didn't do much fantasy role playing in my in my early years. But anyway, and I didn't think too much about RuneQuest. But I received a whooping $25 discount for the guide to Glorantha as a backer mm-hmm. of the um, of the RQ Classic. And you might remember I'm a sucker for uh, lore books and I'm a sucker for maps. And so I'm like, okay, $25 for this guide to Glorantha. It's like, oh, Glorantha, that reminds me of something. I can't really put my finger on it. You know, the <laughs> French books were collecting dust by that time and I had forgotten about them. Uh, they were in the box somewhere. Um, so I go and check it out and I'm like, oh, this is a big book with maps and stuff in it. So that looks like my jam. And that's the first book I actually... Really opened <laughs> really open and really got into about Glorantha was the guide to Glorantha, this gigantic, monstrous uh, beast of a, of a book. And yeah, there was plenty of maps. I was super happy. <laughs> yeah. So you had a RuneQuest 2 in your hands and you started with a guide. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure I had received RuneQuest 2 by that time. Uh, because, you know, because of the, all the Kickstarter delivery yes. stuff. So I'm not sure which one I received first. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. Uh, the guide already was out by that time, so they yes. just uh, yeah. immediately. So, so yeah, 2018, basically, is when I opened the guide and went like, ooh, <laughs> that looks cool. Uh, and then 2018 was, interestingly enough, also the year the new RuneQuest came out. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that then. And after that, things went downhill pretty quick. <laughs> well, because I started buying a lot of RuneQuest and Glorita stuff. <laughs> the finances were in downhill. You didn't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> My shelves went uphill. <laughs> So, yeah, um, you almost uh, answered that already. What uh, was the thing that grabbed your intention in the setting? So, yeah, I guess it was the, the, the guide and, um, and the maps. And <laughs> I mean, when, when you turn, you know, when you skim through the guide yeah. and you end up looking at maps of the, the night sky and the constellations or maps of the, the wind current and, the, um, <laughs> uh, and things like and you go like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I like. You got maps for everything, and and even then, like there was such a giant amount of lore that I guess you know it's the the equivalent of people who like living in big cities. You know, they like living in in Paris or London or New York because they can go everywhere and see something. Yes, even though they will never get to know everything that's happening in that city. It's just too big, right? And um, yeah. and, and so I guess it was kind of the same effect. And the guy that was looking at this and I'm like, there's no way I will ever read this entire thing until like, you know, 10 years from now. And even then probably the first half will have exited my brain so that I can store the other half. And so there's no way I can, uh, I can remember everything. So yeah, I guess I, I like, the idea of a setting that's so big, I can get lost in it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and are there any specifics that you uh, uh, found interesting? What uh, are your favorite things about it? I think my favorite thing is that because there is information and lore and background on anything, uh, everything is gray in the sense that yeah, um, evil. Yeah, there's no there's no mysterious other. I mean, even if it might be that way for somebody living in you know living in Sartar, you know, to them the trolls or these weird man-eating monsters or whatever. But uh, at least for the game master, so that they can portray um, those other uh, creatures, there's always a whole bunch of background for those so that everybody has a reason, a backstory, a culture to explain where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing. And this is, this is the kind of stuff I always liked in, um, because again, you know, I'm, I'm coming from, you know, stuff like Vampire, which actually was inspired by um, RuneQuest, where you've got all kinds of factions fighting each other, but they all have their own agenda and their own reasons. Even in Call of Cthulhu, the, the monsters are generally not monsters, like the, the Deep Ones and the Migo and all that. They have civilizations, they have technology, they have agendas and things like that. So this this is the stuff I like compared to what looked to me uh, was just like, uh, felt like generic monsters in some other fantasy games. So uh, are there things you don't like that much? Or are there things difficult to approach? So strangely enough, the maps are also something I have a problem with because <laughs> you know very well the scales are messed up in Glorantan maps. I mean, a lot of Glorantan maps are missing scales. Yes. And depending on the book you take, they might have different scales. Uh, I actually have a spreadsheet. Um, I have a spreadsheet <laughs> with all of the books and PDFs that I have uh, with all of the different scales. I think I used the uh, I think I used the duck point to bold home distance. I think as a, <laughs> as a reference or something like that. Yeah. And it's all over the place between different maps. Uh, and so I'm, you know, computing the, the median value of that distance to figure <laughs> out uh, how to change the, the hex size of the Argon Argo or Atlas and get like something vaguely that makes sense. Yeah, although, although those, hex, uh, those hexes are the one constant thing that uh, still works. Even then, the hexes don't match with the latest maps from the new material, and I yeah, think, uh, I think, isn't it because like the maps of the guide were made during the time they had lost the master map of uh, Dragon Pass, so maybe they got the wrong scale or something? Uh, yes, the, uh, well, the, those master maps are not from ten kilometers up, but from five kilometers up. So, uh, yeah. Those uh, those show the settlements from 500 people up, and the guide maps show from 1,000 people up. Yes, but I think the I think the scale is also different. But anyway, the we'll scale uh, the scale is uh, slightly different too. But yeah. yes, because uh, the Argon Argon, I think, is eight kilometer per uh, hex. Yeah, um, per, uh, what does that mean? Does that mean maximum diameter? Does that mean hex edge? <laughs> from uh, <laughs> From whichever uh, 
from from the top left corner to the bottom middle corner. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's diameter, so that's twice uh, the hex side. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, so th this is the thing that drives me crazy compared to uh, compared to Horn, for example, which has, I think, the the gold standard for maps yeah. in in RPGs. Um, because they are, I mean, they have virtually not changed their uh, map style and scale and iconography and all that in basically 40 years or so. And it still works. It's still functional. You, yeah, it's uh, yeah, uh, it's really good. Uh, but of course, it's a completely different vibe. Like Horn is a much less epic uh, or mythic uh, setting. But anyway yeah the other thing I, i had problem with and still have problem with is again you know i always come back to how i'm interested in the relationship between the the normal mundane people and the big epic stuff yeah so for example you know in call of cthulhu you play normal people <laughs> who you know every now and then they end up Uh, uh, fighting some evil cult under the Egyptian pyramids and pushing back the arrival of a god that is going to destroy Earth. But the rest of the time, you know, they have they're they're just normal people. I always I often approach settings like that, and I had a lot of trouble figuring out what is the everyday life like in um, yeah. in Glorantha. Yeah, to be honest, that's uh, one of the things uh, that everybody is working on quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the you know the the Sartar homeland box thingy um, will clarify a bit of that. And it it was especially complicated when one I basically knew not much, even nothing about any historical things, you know. Even like <laughs> stuff like, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about the Bronze Age uh, until I started getting into Glorantha and I started reading up history books. So, you know, thank you role-playing games for educating me. Uh, but even when you looked at different books from different era, you know, the RQ2 era, the RQ3, the Hero Wars, the Hero Quests, and... It seems yeah. like the influences and the art style and uh, and all that all change and you know all of a sudden you get all kinds of you know Viking names with uh, you know all the sun and dot here in the names and so you go like oh maybe yeah. I should go and read up on Vikings and then it's like no no it's totally not like Vikings it's more like this and then you yeah. go and read up on that and and so you get this weird patchwork <laughs> of stuff and you don't know exactly which one to look at. Yes. And some people say like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to look at any Earth civilization because Glorita is, is, is its own thing. And so you're like, uh, then what do I use? Then why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, it's um, uh, that that was also uh, a bit difficult and frustrating. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, Glorita has 45 years in publishing history. Yes. Yeah. And. <laughs> It's not just 45 years in publishing history, but it's 45 years where the publishing history rebooted, you know, three three or four times. 
So every time <laughs> you would get kind of this, some similar material redone and expanded. Yeah. And somewhat changed. And so you got yeah. like, you know, maybe two or three versions of Sartar with different, at least different art, even if the text might be similar, you still come yeah. out with a different mental picture of it. Yes. As opposed to somebody which would have 40 years of history, but they just kept in a straight line without rebooting. Yeah. Or something like Traveler, which rebooted like, you know, 12 times. But <laughs> each time they rebooted, they jumped to a different place and time. And it's like basically 12 different parallel universes um, yeah. with different timelines. So um, so I guess Glorenta is somewhat unique in that sense. Yes, you really get a documentation of a learning experience. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> so, uh, from the theory to the praxis, do you have an ongoing game? Uh, uh, I have two ongoing games, actually. Oh. But they're both playing the same campaign. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, so I'm, it's a campaign I'm hoping to put down on paper on the Johnston Compendium. And the goal of this campaign, it's uh, it's kind of a short linear campaign, well, mostly linear, whose goal is to introduce Glorantha to newbies to Glorantha. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, I had the stupid idea to base it around kids. So a bit like uh, what Valley of Plenty was um, is doing, yeah. which is why I was so happy because back when Valley of Plenty was released, I basically only had notes for my campaign. The pandemic hit and, you know, I had like the group I wanted to play test it with disbanded. Uh, and so I basically got to finish my notes only a year later and, and start um, and start it um, at the beginning of this year. And, and so I'm doing it with one group of people who know Glorenta very well, so mm-hmm. they can correct me and participate in the writing. And I'm running it with a group that has never played in Glorantha except the Broken Tower for a couple of the players. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm testing basically on them that, um, that it's okay. And so it's, um, it's a thing, yeah, we're playing basically one adventure every year between the age of 12 and the age of uh, where you uh, age of 10 sorry and all the way to when you become uh, adult and then two years of apprenticehood and then you initiate into your cult yeah. uh, but of course it is wildly atypical because of course it would be kind of boring uh, so to give you an idea of what the campaign is like my initial tagline for it to guide my design was uh, the goonies in glorantha Ah. so um yeah uh, you can uh, imagine the rest from there <laughs> and it's uh oh it's based around alone yeah and uh, based on RuneQuest. yes RuneQuest quest yes yeah which is interesting because uh you know RuneQuest is known for being this very uh, gritty yeah. violent <laughs> combat where you lose <laughs> yes. limbs and things like that so the first 
the the first challenge and frankly the first doubt about like uh, am i really trying to do something really stupid is to try <laughs> and make runquest work for kids <laughs> uh, because obviously you don't want to have kids losing limbs and dying horribly and, and all that but i think i got uh, you know something that works okay um but yeah we'll see yeah <laughs> Okay, then in that case, what would you recommend as a first contact uh, for other uh, people new to Grantha? Well, until I released this amazing campaign on the Johnson Compendium, um, I mean, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, frankly, I just recommend people to start with the quick start. That's, the, that's yeah. what it is for. It's called quick start. It's quick and it lets you start. Um, the broken tower, I think is a fantastic adventure. Um, it hits all the, all the notes of what you need to show new prospective players, what, you know, RuneQuest and Glorian Tower are about. And hopefully the starter set when it comes out will be, will be good. I mean, the, the Call of Cthulhu starter set is really awesome. Yeah. So I have little doubt that the RuneQuest starter set will be equally awesome and equally recommendable. The thing is, the Glorenthan community mm -hmm. has a tendency to be like a giant fire hose of very <laughs> excited people. <laughs> And I mean, yeah. you know, this is from the guy who really started liking Glorenthan by uh, looking at the guide. But, <laughs> um, you know, you ask people on any Glorantan community, you know, Discord or BRP or Facebook or whatever. And you're going to have 40 different answers about um, all the stuff you should do to start. And it's, I mean, it's good because, I mean, all those people are generally very excited and they genuinely love Glorantan and they genuinely want to see more people. But it's still quite intimidating when you have like, you know, a whole bunch of things coming your way. And especially when people recommend out of print products, like don't do that. <laughs> But it's interesting to me because again, like coming from Call of Cthulhu, you ask anybody who is, you know, halfway decent Call of Cthulhu player, what you should start with. And everybody's going to just say, start with the haunting. And that's why they put the haunting in the quick start of Call of Cthulhu. Okay. It's basically, it's such a standard and legendary scenario for Call of Cthulhu that it's almost like kind of a rite of passage. Um, and many game masters have run the haunting like a dozen times. Uh, yeah. And so everybody's got, everybody's run the haunting. And so you start with the haunting or with the starter set. And it's... Basically, I'm, what I'm saying is like the broken tower should be the haunting for request. It's like, it, to me, it's the, don't think about it, start with that. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple. Okay. Uh, I mean, we have a, a couple of uh, good alternatives on the Johnstone Companion, of course. Yeah. I hear several people uh, successfully started with Six Seasons. Yes. Because it, you know, takes you from... Uh, right from the beginning when you initiate into uh, adulthood. And same thing, Valley of Plenty also is a, is a good start because you start as a kid also. Uh, but see, you're trying to make me do it. Start with the Broken Tower. 
<laughs> I won't say anything well, more. <laughs> well, I would say uh, the star- starter kit, which is already uh, uh, finally produced, it's only uh, ling- lingering in some containers now. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Probably uh, would be the go-to resource uh, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, but um, uh, we'll we'll check it out. It even uh, has a solo adventure, uh, so that the GM can uh, test himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like the Call of Cthulhu adventure, um, <laughs> the, the the solo adventure that's in the Call of Cthulhu starter set. Uh, I ran it with my kids. Uh, it was lots of fun. The so, the interesting thing about the the one in the Call of Cthulhu though is that because Call of Cthulhu is a fairly simpler version of BRP. Yeah. What the um, what that solo adventure does, which the solo adventure in the upcoming RuneQuest one doesn't do, is that it also makes you go through character creation as part of the beginning of the adventure. Ah. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting twist on on the on the solo adventure. So uh, with that said, what do you wish you'd known or played when you first encountered Glorantha? <laughs> Well, first, I wish I'd known that if I stuck a bit more to reading Hero Wars back in 2000, I would have been the the cool kid on the block who would have uh, been into uh, modern narrative games before everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that... You can also wish for things that don't exist yet. Yes, yeah. Well, what what I wish would exist (laughs) is finished version of the Prince of Star comic book. Oh, yes. That would be, you know, available as, you know, as a book or in on Comixology or whatever, like a, a way to to reach outside of the role-playing uh, masses. Uh, although I think I would, I would also like that comic book to be a bit more, a bit more cinematic, a bit more like... Um, like you can tell that Prince of Sartar is a is a web comic because it's a it's a very kind of you know one or two page to do a thing and then one or two page to do another thing etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So uh, I mean this is where you maybe want like Mark Smiley to make a, <laughs> a, a Glorantha comic book in 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 five volumes or something like that. Yeah, but this is finishes an Artesia book. <laughs> yes. uh, well, I'm I'm just beginning to read them, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there's um, I think there's that, and and a bit of you know coming coming back to the overexcited and forty year old uh, communities of fans to you know to go a bit more simple on the newbies. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit hard, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit hard to stop yourself from being excited. Yes, uh, it actually is. Uh, so, um, yeah, well, I can I can understand that. Yes. So, um, on the other hand, uh, if you have a very specific question you could ask about Miranda, what would that be? Well, I mean, I've got I've got you on a private Discord server, so I can ask you questions anytime <laughs> I want. <laughs> but I know that one question I I struggled with again, like you know, going back to what what's the what is the daily life like, and what are the everyday people like? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you the the trick or uh, trap question of so <laughs> how many initiates versus lay members are there in Sartar? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you don't have uh, to answer. <laughs> well, in, in my Garantha, I think it's uh, 85% of the adult population, uh, which is initiated to one or the other cult. Yeah. Most yeah. of them to Ordens Hour and Nida. Several of these uh, to more than one cult. Okay, yeah. And the rest, uh, most of them would be spirit worshippers. And I'm not quite sure where I should put the ancestor worshippers. Okay. Whether Dakafal is an uh, actual cult with initiates or whether it's more a spirit society, <laughs> yes. which also has some rune magic. And wh where do you put all the other like light bringers and other other gods? Is that in the in the 85% or is that's in the 85% uh, okay. initiates? Uh, basically, they should make up about 12 to 15% of the entire population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, That's the other thing. Uh, about 12 to 15% uh, of the people uh, would not be uh, the standard Orlans and Enalda initiates, but uh, follow some weird gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not just the Lightbringers. There's Humak, there's Zorak Zoran, there's Argan Aga, there's yeah, Yamalio. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. the other god uh, with a similar name. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going there. So... Um, It's a bit weird to ask. Do you have any other uh, thing you want to advertise here, like books, art, or podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should listen to the God Learner podcast. <laughs> awesome podcast about Florenta. But yeah, yeah, people people know where to find me. But uh, but we'll definitely <laughs> let the other interviewees plug whatever they do online or elsewhere at the end yeah. of the interview. Although um, I might plug that I'm sometimes available for art for Johnston Compendium authors. I've yeah. done a few things here and there. And Do you work on commission or uh, how does that work? Yeah, commission. Um, <laughs> and although I've also a couple instances where I trade Uh, art for editing ah. for the uh, yes. for some other uh, Johnston Companion items I'm working on that hopefully will see the light at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really good to have that because it, it forces me to get better at drawing. So hopefully, I'm getting better, yeah. and yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, and finally, some uh, typical quickfire things. Uh -huh. Like we inflict on our poor guests. <laughs> uh, things like pronunciation. How would you pronunciate the main city in Prax? Uh, I so well because we had we are, we've already been through it, but, but we never we, concluded. We, uh, yeah, we've been we've been through it back when we interviewed like uh, Nick and um, uh, Chris Gidlow and, and all that. But um, so I would pronounce it Pavis. Mm -hmm. But I really like, I think it was maybe Chris Gidlow who said um, to pronounce it Pavi. And I like yeah. that. I like that because it's, <laughs> it's, got, uh, it's got a little bit of uh, French, Frenchness in it. Yeah. So basically uh, the non-French uh, say Paris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, my German uh, self would, uh, would still lead me to the pa uh, Pavis, but uh, I've been yeah. used to Pavis now too, so. <laughs> yeah. Which side are you on? Gamalio or Uz? Uz. Yeah, the, tro the trolls are cool. Um, they, yeah. I like Zorak Zorak. He's yeah. such a crazy guy with crazy... It's, it's, he's kind of like the almost the anything goes war god where you know he's got you know zombies and skeletons and fire and 
bursting <laughs> cream and, and all that it's just like it's it's fun i like uh i like that guy although the only time i played a zorak zorani uh troll uh it was in some online convention earlier this year yeah i fumbled my rune magic roll to cast berserk oh. <laughs> over i think three rounds i think it took me four rounds to trigger my berserk states because i kept failing <laughs> a you know a 70 percent roll or something like that uh so i almost thought i would never go berserk as a zorak zorani which would have been very embarrassing but uh, eventually <laughs> I, I i got it and as as is tradition, I finished the game still in berserk mode, but with one leg um, not cut but broken. Uh, speaking on, uh, of uh, how you get uh, around, uh, what's your favorite mount in Gravanza? Favorite mount, uh, the bison, definitely. Mostly because I think that is the first. I think that is the first mount that I encountered while reading. I think it's probably while reading the RuneQuest rulebook, because you know, in the in the guide you look at a bunch of stuff, but you like I didn't really relate closely to the to the fraction um, people, and I might have been skimming elsewhere anyway. And it's only when I read the RuneQuest Lorenta rulebook that you kind of put yourself in Vasana's shoes, because Vasana is the example character. Yeah, and you know when you flip the pages, and then you realize she's riding a bison, and the bison can charge and trample people, and you go like, "That's as that is cool," <laughs> and that is something you don't typically see in the other games. And so, um, yeah, this yeah. is the kind of the novelty aspect of it uh, is still sticking with me, and I'm like, "Yeah, riding a bison into battle is pretty cool." So uh, you mentioned an online convention. Have you ever visited a dedicated uh, convention dedicated to Garantha or heard about one? No, I, than me talking uh, about I participated in uh, Glorantha Games. Was it that? The online convention that uh, Pookie organized? Um, ah, the English one, yeah. Last year or this year? I forgot. Time has no meaning at the, yeah. at the moment. You're in COVID, at least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was that convention. Um, I I played a few um, a few games in there. I guess that's only the only uh, Glorantan game convention I participated in. Uh, I never went to many conventions anyway. I think I I went to just a couple of conventions here in Canada, but uh, when I was younger, it never occurred to me. I was uh, living in some parts of France where there, I don't think there were any conventions really. So it was just my gaming club and yeah. there were way enough people playing there. Um, okay, yeah. you would, you would walk basically it, it, it kind of felt like a small role-playing game convention every weekend because you would walk in there and it would be, you know, the, the big, uh, the big room that our club had access to. And at any time of the week, you would walk in there and uh, special, well, more special on weekends. And there would be at least four or five groups playing each a different game. So, yeah. Okay. That's a very comfortable uh, setup. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was pretty lucky uh, growing up having, having access to that. Um, and so that's how I got to play a f fair amount of 
different games uh, to yeah. kind of build my uh, my tastes in games. Well, yeah. So, well, thank you for that interview. Oh, thank you for asking those uh, <laughs> those questions. <laughs> but yeah, more importantly, I guess, uh, thank you to all of the newbies who responded to our call. So this was kind of the test run for our little questionnaire. Uh, hopefully we will have a bunch of hopefully other more interesting newbies to interview in the in the next month uh, and i hope uh, people will find that interesting well see you for the next installment then thank you for listening to this episode of the god learners glorantan initiation series the intro music is dancing tiger by dam scray the outro music is Islam Dream by Serge Quadrado. You can find us online at godlearners.com or on Twitter and Facebook at The God Learners. See you next time. Question everything to the void and beyond.